Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the British Royal Phonetic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Will Prince Charles be a good king? This is a topic that has been on everyone's mind not only the past few years, but seemingly Prince Charles's entire life, especially after he was invested as Prince of Wales. Her Majesty the Queen has not only told us that she has mobility issues, but we the public have begun to see them. She's pulled out of a few big engagements, especially the Thursday Maudie service on the eve of Easter Sunday, and more of her engagements are virtual or at Windsor Castle. Personal in-person engagements are now being carried out by Prince Charles, and while the Queen has no intent of abdicating, we are beginning to see a shift. Prince Charles is assuming more and more responsibility, and while the Regency Act has not been signed, this is pretty much the closest we're going to get to it. It's known that Prince Charles's voice is the loudest within the royal family, and his input on family decisions are now becoming more and more concrete. However, we the public are now beginning to see this influence spill out into royal work. The Queen stepping back, and Prince Charles coming to the front. While he may have a lot of sway within the royal family, the public still has not gotten behind this idea of Prince Charles being king. In her famous Jubilee weekend statement, the Queen reminded us one day that no matter what, Prince Charles will be king and Camilla will be his queen consort. It's the line of succession. She cannot change that. While their approval rating has slowly been on the rise and people are warming up to them more, the public still just can't seem to get behind the idea of Charles being king. Press and other tabloid outlets, in addition to shows like The Crown, really stir up old feelings and old sentiment and really bring down a lot of the work that they've done. Airing the skeletons in the closet, they would rather not be seen again. For his entire life of heir apparent and during his tenure as Prince of Wales, the public has always been really back and forth on the idea of not only him being king, but will he be a good king? Having a favorite royal is one thing, but this goes beyond just general preference. In my lifetime, I can confidently say the resounding sentiment has been that we don't want Prince Charles to be king. We would rather the crown usurp him and be bestowed upon William, whether that is through an act of parliament, Prince Charles abdicating, whatever it may be, 
The resounding sentiment is that people want William more than Charles. It seems like no matter what Prince Charles does, how many engagements he does, people he talks to, environmental work, whatever it may be, the public just really can't swallow the idea of Prince Charles being king. As said before, the move to remove Prince Charles from the line of succession, remove him as Prince of Wales, would take a mammoth move from Parliament, Prince Charles abdicating, his death. There would be, there's so many huge things that would happen, but in order for it to happen, it would put the monarchy in such a precarious state, it would go into a tailspin, and the constitutional crisis that would happen would, again, be huge. The people love talking about the idea of the crown usurping and going to William, but the actual process it would take would be really catastrophic. Today we seek to understand, will Prince Charles be a good king? And why does the public not want to back the idea of him being king? First, let's get a general understanding of where Prince Charles is right now. What is the general feeling of Prince Charles right now within the public, specifically the UK? According to yougov.co.uk and their polling data from people in the UK, he is sixth in line when it comes to popularity. Their last collection of data was April 7th, 2022, and the top five members of the royal family, according to popularity, are as follows. Number one is Her Majesty the Queen at 75%. Number two is His Royal Highness Prince William the Duke of Cambridge at 66%. Number three is His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, at 64%. He's still really pulling high a year after his death. Number four is Her Royal Highness Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, at 60%. And number five is Her Royal Highness Princess Anne, the Princess Royal. As you would expect, Prince Charles is more popular with older generations than newer ones, but all generations are aware of him, they've heard of him, they know who he is. However, the newer you go, the less popular he becomes. He's more popular among men than women, and he is more popular among conservative politicians than those that are liberal or with the Labour Party. While Prince Charles is at 50% popularity, he is currently disliked by 18% of the population, and 32 are just neutral. There was a time period back in August of 2021 where his popularity did rise to 60%, but it has since fallen back down to 50%. As of November 2021, polling, the polling data shows that when asked the topic of, do you think Prince Charles will be a good king, 34% say he would make a good king, 33% say he would not make a good king, and 33 are genuinely unsure about it. The public is sort of equally spread amongst this topic. When asked about Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Cornwall, the resounding sentiment from their data says that the public would prefer her to either be Princess Consort or no title change at all. When approaching the topic of Queen Consort, granted this was before the Queen's Jubilee Statement, the resounding public opinion was, no, we don't want her as our queen consort. We don't, know. we still don't like her. We don't trust her. No, she should either be princess consort, like what they said when they got married, or no title change at all. 
that is the resounding sentiment right now. This is how the public feels at the time of recording when they put out their data that gets updated as often as they put those polls out. That is what the UK currently feels about Prince Charles right now, according to yougov.co.uk. Aside from the general public feeling right now, where does this sentiment of we don't think Prince Charles will be a good king? Well, media outlets, specifically television shows like Victoria the Series and The Crown, have reinforced this idea that the monarchy is only as strong as the people that believe in it and the people that support it. And Prince Charles has seemingly his whole life has had this uphill battle with the press, the public, the media, everybody in trying to get them on his side, trying to show that he's, you know, this is your king, you know, in trying to get them to come over to his side. When looking at historians reflecting on the past, the general sentiment from the public is that too much has happened. He's had too much scandal and drama from his personal life spill over into his royal work. From shady business dealings, love affairs, and interfering with the doings of parliament, in addition to coming across as spoiled, entitled, out of touch with the people of the UK, and generally untrustworthy, all of these have come together to, in some ways, taint his place as king before the crown has even fallen on his head. I saw an opinion piece a few weeks ago when the Prince Andrew scandal was at its high point that this generation of royals, these senior royals, referring to the children of the queen, should just be taken out. They shouldn't be working. They need to be taken out of the line of succession. They just need to go away. Because when looking back in their personal life and what has been happening during their time in the public space, it hasn't done... It hasn't been positive. It hasn't reflected well, especially with the Prince Andrew scandal. This is the public's general feeling, but how did we get here? How did we get to this point to where we're talking about this today? Well, first let's delve into some of these topics and try to understand a little bit better. Prince Charles from a young age was labeled as sensitive and was prey to the alpha males in his family, especially that of Prince Philip. Prince Philip, from what royal biographers have said, he had a sort of this alpha male tendency about him. According to Sally Bettlesmith in her book, both about Prince Charles and the one about the Queen, this came across as bullying and could get sort of aggressive in that regard. Yes, he was born into a life of royalty, privilege, entitlement, and that he would be king one day, but royal work and royal duties kept his parents away from him when he was really young. Yes, he spent a lot of time with the Queen Mother, but actual time with his own parents in some ways was really limited and when he would see them it would sometimes be this toxic especially when it was with prince philip so he didn't necessarily get what he needed from a very young age and in turn when he was in school and as a young toddler through his teen teenage years when he was at school there was torment there was bullying he wasn't this you know alpha male type of person like his father he was sensitive he liked to paint he liked to read he liked theater and literature and he didn't really want to go out and do abc he wanted to you know do what he wanted to do and in turn the public had this expectation of him of what their future king should be and it didn't really seem to fit that especially ideas of masculinity at the time yes he played polo he did his stint in the military he started doing light royal work after he turned 18 but 
he didn't really seem to mesh well with the public. The public felt like he was out of, just, they couldn't relate to him. He wasn't as approachable as what they had wanted. From a very young age, he was labeled as a prat, spoiled, arrogant, and difficult. And when he was younger and dating in his early 20s and 30s, before he married Diana, he was labeled as a playboy. He was, you know, dating around, he wasn't serious, and you know, at this point he was Prince of Wales. So their Prince of Wales is out partying, he's out trying to romance women, short date here, little dalliance over there. He dated Princess he dated Princess Diana's sister. And all the public is seeing is, you know, this Prince of Wales that hasn't settled yet. His sister, at the time, Princess Anne, was married. Why can't he seem to settle down? And he was labeled as his playboy. And when interviewed at the time, he said he didn't like that label because it wasn't true. He's not this playboy. But it, will, it, but it won't go away until he gets married and he doesn't want to marry right now. And so at that point, you know, the, <laughs> he's actively going against the, uh, the, the tabloid media. And especially nowadays, in the era of social media, when you Google Prince Charles or try to search up fun facts about him, some of the things come across as, you know, entitled and spoiled, however true they may be. That he travels with his own food, and he has a boiled egg with every meal, he takes an orthopedic bed with him everywhere he goes, especially when he's on tour, he brings his own toilet seat with him, he doesn't know what cling wrap is... He often changes his clothes six to seven times a day. He can be very demanding and rude to his staff. Whatever truth is there, we're reading it. And it's not helping his reputation. It's not helping his cause. Especially when enough little nuggets have been leaked and talked about that some of these really outlandish claims can become believable no matter how much truth they hold, no matter if they are true or not. So we already have this character being established, this, you know, distant royal that isn't accessible to the public, the public can't relate to him, he's labeled as spoiled, and these news and things are being leaked of this very much demanding behavior that um, the public isn't really resonating with, it's not something that they particularly like, he's taking a long time to marry, he's, he, is, he isn't settled. And then the scandals start happening, and his personal life begins to be aired in the public. And it all really started to happen when he got married. When Prince Charles finally married and the world got their Princess of Wales, that really seemed to fix things for a while. He was settled, he was married, he was having children. Not only did the monarchy secure the line of succession, but Charles finally gave the world what they wanted. A settled Prince of Wales with a home, a lovely wife, two beautiful sons. It was a family of his own, and this fairy tale narrative that the royal family was really pushing was now real. And people really seemed to forgive and forget this other reputation that he had garnished young in his uh, in his younger life. But as we all know, especially now, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We know that that wasn't always the truth. We know that behind the scenes, things were a lot darker. The public knew about Camilla before Diana entered the picture. In the 70s, they were seen together. They dated for a little bit. The public really didn't like Camilla even then. And ultimately, you know, she married someone else. Charles married Diana. But the public already knew about their love affair. And as we all know, Charles went back to her and reignited the affair when he was married to Diana. 
as we all know, even still to this day, when approaching the topic of Princess Diana, she is this, you know, holy figure that we don't really try to talk, you know, we do not speak ill of Diana. And that was very much true there. When it was beginning to get leaked that Prince Charles was having an affair, the public turned on him. They turned on him very quickly, taking Diana's side. Diana knew how to use the media, knew the power of the media. It seemed that Charles never fell out of love with Camilla, and they eventually got caught. Additionally, Diana's book from 1992 that really aired this mistreatment where Charles didn't seem to understand her, that Charles was very distant, was very cold, was very, in some some cases, it was an un, a very unhealthy marriage. That was now aired to the public. And then we have this 1995 interview with Panorama that does the exact same thing. It just reinforces this narrative that Charles isn't as great as he wants to be. He's not this wonderful person. Our marriage is actually very volatile. And here's ABC that happened to me. And again, the public turned on him again. How, you know, how dare you do this to her? Because the public loved Diana much more than him. And then Prince Charles had his own 1995 interview before Diana's that was supposed to celebrate his 25th anniversary from his investiture. He's been Prince of Wales for 25 years. It was meant to showcase his work, his environmental work, and everything he's been doing in the 25 years since he's been invested as Prince of Wales. But all that anybody can talk about is that that interview, he admitted to having an affair. He admitted to cheating on Diana and that it was true. That the marriage became irreparable, I tried my best, and then ultimately I did what I needed to do. But again, all the public can hear is that you, it's true, you cheated on her. And the public took Diana's side again. And even before then, there were leaked phone calls. There was Tampon Gate, where on the phone, Charles said he wished he could be one of Tamil- one of Camilla's tampons. There were all these, all these leaked phone calls, letters, photos of them together in the press before then. So in the late 80s and 90s, while the public was once on his side, turned again because he was mistreating Diana. The public wanted, the public approved more of Diana than him. There was the famous divorce. They divorced in 1996. She died in 1997. And at that point, the public had really solidified themselves against Charles. That, nope, she died. The royal family is somehow responsible for this. You mistreated her. You divorced from her. How dare you do this? And the public at that point was completely against him. So his marriage and his love affairs, the fact that it took so long for him to marry, that he had this tumultuous relationship with Diana, and ultimately divorce and death, his affair, (laughs) the public still hasn't let go of that. They haven't let go of it at all, and the resounding sentiment still gets brought up every now and then. But aside from his personal life, he's had some shady business dealings, he's had some shady things in Parliament that, again, people have their own thoughts and opinions on. And the biggest one that comes to mind to me is his Black Spider letters. What are these Black Spider memos, Black Spider letters? They are a series of letters that Charles wrote, and why they're called Black Spider is because of his distinct handwriting. He, um, he would first write these drafts in his black pen, and it was this really frantic handwriting. Then they would be typed, but he would then still add notes and annotations off to the side. And he has a very distinct handwriting, and that's where the note came from. But what are these letters? 
these letters were sent by Prince Charles in private capacity to British government ministers. In these letters, he expressed views on a variety of subjects such as farming, genetic modification, global warming, social deprivation, social, uh, planning and architecture, and more. Letters to ministers have also been sent from the prince's charities, foundations, and other campaign groups. And these letters have been described as quote-unquote advocacy correspondence written by the prince to advocate for his work or his charities or in a way to promote his views. But the biggest thing is he's writing to government officials expressing his opinion and views on things. The principal private secretary to the Prince of Wales, Sir Michael Peat, in 2007 said that the prince, quote, is very careful to ensure he is not politically contentious or party political. And as far as I'm aware, even his most ardent critic had never suggested he is. But what is the issue here? Well, many feel that he's meddling in politics, he's meddling in governmental things, that he has no grounds to do so, that he's expressing political opinion when he legally has no grounds to do so as a member of the royal family, and especially as Prince of Wales. That no matter what the intention of these letters are, you're still writing to government officials on serious topics that the government's talking about right now, regardless of if you're advocating for a charity, to them it's still not, it, it doesn't matter. You're writing to politicians, you're meddling in politics. In 2009, a spokesperson for the prince said that his role as a privy counselor gave him the right to communicate confidentially with ministers on matters that concern him, adding that communication between the prince and his between the prince and the ministers should be treated as private and confidential on all sides. Earlier in 2002, the prince's office issued a statement defending his right to privately correspond with government ministers at this level of advocacy and that this can only happen in private. In 2008, the prince's friend and biographer, Jonathan Dimbleby, said that royal aides had informally started to consider redefining the role of the monarch to allow for future correspondence to, quote, to speak on matters of national and international importance in ways that at the moment could be unthinkable. In many ways, he's writing to ministers, he's written to ministers. Some of these letters you can read online, um, especially through the uh, Freedom of Information Act. And regardless of whatever his intent is, that's one thing that the public is seeing. You're interfering with politics. You're a royal. You can't do that. That's not your place. That's not where you're supposed to be. You're interfering. You're trying to sway things a certain way. No, you can't do that. And these Black Spider letters, in a few instances, have come to haunt him and have really, again, rubbed the public the wrong way. But then... There was his massive cash for titles scandal that happened not only earlier this year, but in 2021 and in 2020 when it started to really come out. We talked about this in real time as it was happening, but in a nutshell, the Prince's Foundation, the main uh, charity that Prince Charles runs, was caught doing what is essentially a cash for hire scandal. If you donate this certain amount to my charity, you can get the following uh, titles like a knight uh, being knighted, British citizenship, and more, a private audience with him, a personal letter from him in order to donate to to the charity. And there were a lot of, you know, Russian bankers involved. There were um, people from uh, Saudi Arabia and it got really messy because evidence started to come out that this actually did happen. 
and Prince Charles has said that he had no knowledge of it happening, and it was a lot of his staff were involved with it, but either way, he's involved in some way, shape, or form, and the police are still investigating. This is actually still an ongoing investigation of this alleged cash-for-title slash citizenship scandal. This is something that is still going on, and the police and the crown attorneys everybody that is that needs to be is still looking into it so who knows what the actual outcome will be whether he'll go to court and have to testify we don't know but there's still this ongoing investigation for this cash for title scandal Uh, some of his uh, workers have been fired again and it's just again another nail in the coffin of okay what are you doing you're not really advocating for us you don't you're not here for the for the British people. Then there was another smaller, but in reality, pretty big international scandal that was in 2014. So in 2014, there was a small scandal where Prince Charles may or may not have been a pawn in securing a big arms deal to the Saudi government. He, uh, this was after a series of royal visits to the Saudi government into that area of the world. And the last of these in 2014 resulted in... At the request of the Foreign Office, the royal family did their best to deflect and defend Prince Charles being there and not being involved. But that same time he was in Saudi Arabia, this huge arms deal with the UK and uh, the Saudi government happened. Um, All sides have tried to deny it, refute it. No, this, you know, Prince Charles wasn't involved. He wasn't involved. But for many people, there are too many coincidences here to brush it off. And after a series of visits, this last one at the behest of the foreign office, he's getting closer to uh, the people within the Saudi government. While he was there doing his duty in 2014, this final sale was made. And he's visited many times beforehand. He's been back since. And they did their best to keep this deal a secret. The goal between governments was they wanted, they didn't want the public to know about this. And they, they ended up finding out. And Prince Charles was there at the same time this final deal was struck. They moved on. They've tried to deny it. But, you know, at this point, a lot of people have said the same thing. There are too many coincidences here for us to dismiss that Charles wasn't involved in some way, shape, or form. So we have his Black Spider memos, his cash for titles scandal, this alleged big arms deal scandal from 2014. And have all come together with, you know, his love life and Princess Diana's book and interview. But there's another side to this that also is reinforcing the public opinion that, you know, we don't want Prince Charles to be king if he behaves this way. And that's media depictions of him. So there's been a lot of media depictions of him. There's the film, The Queen. There's, of course, the show, The Crown. There's Diana, the musical. There's documentaries like The House of Windsor, which you can see on Netflix. There's the TV play, King Charles III. There's the film, Diana. There's the film, Spencer. And there's more more recently, Meghan and Harry's interview from 2021. Now, The Queen, out of all of these, the film The Queen with uh, Dame Helen Mirren is the most positive of these depictions because it shows him doting on his children, you know, trying to advocate for Diana posthumously, give her the respect that she's entitled to. So The Queen actually shows Prince Charles in a positive light, but the rest of these, you know, don't necessarily paint him in the most positive of lights, let's say, let's, let, let's say that. There's a lot of common themes in these media depictions that are believable enough that helps sway public opinion and that's 
reinforcing these negative stereotypes about him, these, these negative feelings. They reinforce this negative behavior of him. That he's cold, he's unfeeling, he's demanding, he's entitled, he's spoiled, he can be ruthless at times, that he doesn't have this good relationship with his mother, that it really delves into bad moments of his marriage to the Princess of Wales, and showing these really intricate fights where he's showing he can't let go of Camilla, that he doesn't want to understand Diana, and he never did. He never gave up Camilla, that he, according to the Meghan and Harry interview, while his name wasn't said, of course, there was that whole point of they were worried about Archie's skin color, and, you know, that's why he wasn't given a prince title, and after that interview, it was alleged that he was the one who made the racist comments, when we will never know for sure who made those racist comments, and generally that he's out of touch with uh, the people, that he doesn't get the big picture of his spoiled behavior, he doesn't understand how he's acting so entitled, and these media depictions for us to enjoy and digest further reinforce all of it <laughs> which is why shows like the crown are so dangerous because some people t accept it all as a biblical truth the show gets so close to what possibly could be that now people are having a hard time separating uh fact from fiction and of course we all have the internet we all have access to social media reddit and what is common there that there are conspiracy theories yes there are conspiracy theories against prince charles and the royal family aside from the fact that they're all shape-shifting lizard people that he will never be king that he will never get a chance to be on the throne that there's a whole conspiracy within the firm that he will never get to be on the they'll never get to be on the throne that he will never get that chance that he will be denied the crown that he will uh, just in general never be king and also there's a conspiracy theory that he's a vampire and also the big damning conspiracy theory is that the royal family had some way shape or form with the death of princess diana they had they were involved in some way shape or form people love their conspiracy theories they love a good theory that they, they can talk about and if there's very popular theories that he won't be king, he's going to be denied it, that the firm doesn't want him to be king, guess what? That reinforces the, uh, again, this, this helps just reinforce and keep this cycle going of people, you know, just generally not liking or just accepting the thought of, oh, he'll just never be king because the firm doesn't want him to be king. So there's a lot to digest here. There's a lot to unpack. We've talked about all these details, but now let's unpack it. It is seen that he's always been behind the eight ball in some way, shape, or form. As a kid, growing up, and as a teen, being bullied, not really fitting in in the family. That he's this more sensitive type. That he wants to read, he wants to write, he wants to paint, he wants to discuss literature, he wants to act and discuss Shakespeare, he wants to play cello. He, Yes, he plays polo, did his stint in the military, he did what was expected of him in that regard. But that's sort of where it stops. He's invested in the environment at a time, especially in the 70s, when people weren't thinking about that. And again, came across as pompous and trying to, you know, make all this organic and going over here and doing all that. And he's been really good at expressing himself. He's really good at being himself. But in turn, that can sometimes rub the public the wrong way, as we've seen. I don't think the public will ever fully be behind the idea of him being king. And in reading and doing research for this, uh, one thought that really stuck with me is that if we let the crown 
fall to public opinion and public taste, then at that point, the line of succession is nothing more than a popularity contest. If the public will can decide who will be king, then it diminishes the line of succession and essentially diminishes the monarchy. Why do we have it? That's one thing that's the power of the line of succession. It can't be changed. This is how it's going to be. This is tradition. This is what it is. He's always had this uphill battle. He's been this punching bag for the media. Whenever there's some type of little fluff piece about drama happening within the royal family, Charles is somehow always in the center. And they seemingly enjoy placing blame on him, whether it's a weird fluff piece or something that's truly actually happened. And in turn, I really don't think he will ever have a peaceful reign, especially that in comparison to his mother. There are rumors because of this general sentiment that people don't think he'll be a good king, that they don't want him to be king, that there will be very quick turnaround from the death of Queen Elizabeth II, whenever that'll happen, to his coronation. You know, the queen had 16 months in between the death of her father and her coronation. Her father had six months in between the death of his father and his coronation. But the running plan is that there will be no more than three months. They want to keep this weird time of accession to coronation very tight they want it they want it to be a very quick turnaround because they don't want to leave a lot of free space for people to revolt for people to uprise and for people to come out really really against charles they really want to try to squelch all of all of that by having this really quick turnaround from ascension to a coronation you know charles doesn't 100 get off scot-free here he made quite a few missteps he's developed this character and he seemingly hasn't really tried to change that too much Um, especially in his old age at this point he really doesn't you know at this point he's stuck in his ways he's not going to change the media has largely kept these negative emotions still stirring and in some ways not letting sleeping dogs lie especially with the crown season four and everybody really amping up that yes this happened yes this 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 um especially the film like spencer more recently um the uh, books that have come out about him to where even sally Bettlesmith has really tried to help really you know sway things positively for him i her book i'm gonna read very soon and try to understand Prince Charles a little better. But even then, in reading reviews and other people talking about about uh, the book, is that at some point, you know, she can only do so much to try to support him and try to help s- switch the public opinion of him. But certain things happened. He did. He did do some of these things, and especially in regards to Diana and their marriage and the, the people still love diana they still love it but there's so much to digest and unpack here this idea of will he be a good king has his reign been tainted before it's even started you know do we even want him to be king granted i'm just an american over here um, postulating and presenting this is what has happened this is the general opinion what do we think of it and i my general statement is that I don't think he'll be on the on the throne for long. He'll be in his mid-70s, close to his 80s at the time when he gets coronated. Uh, one thing that's very true based off history is that the men that wear the crown don't seem to wear it very long. And the women in the royal family are the ones that have the staying power. And they, and that's 
just you know, with how old the queen is, how old the queen mother was, how long Queen Victoria's reign was, and how old she was, and how just the women in the royal family really tend to live quite quite long. But the men, when they have the crown, don't seem to have it on their head for very long. But where do you fall in all of this? Do you, you know I've presented a lot of things to think about, things to research on your own. What do you think about all of this? Do you think he'll be a good king? Do you think that we need to give him a chance? Where do you fall in all of this? I would really like to know, but what will happen in the future? (laughs) There's too many unknowns here to try to understand, but today we tried to present the argument of will Prince Charles be a good king? And here's the general opinion about Prince Charles and things that people feel have tainted his reign before it's even started. Will things get better in 2022? Only time will tell. My sources for today's podcast are Good Housekeeping, the book Elizabeth the Queen, The Life of a Modern Monarch by Sally Bettle Smith, and her book on Prince Charles, The Guardian, Reader's Digest, The New Yorker, The Royal Family's website, royal.uk, yougov.co.uk, and Wikipedia. If you've made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes, you can do so by recommending a topic at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com, or you can head over and make a suggestion over on the official podcast blog, the podcast blog. We have a blog. It is britishroyalfanaticpodcast.wordpress.com. And things are expanding over there. If you would like to go ahead and subscribe and follow, I would greatly appreciate that. You can, of course, subscribe and follow to the official social media for the podcast, the Twitter at fanatic underscore royal and the Facebook page, the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. If you feel so inclined and would like to donate to the podcast, you can do so by making a one-time donation at the official PayPal, which is linked on the main Twitter page. Head on over to wherever you're listening to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you do that, the bigger the family will get. Have a great rest of your day, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy out there, and I'll see you in the next one.